الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فمن يرد الله أن يهديه يشرح صدره للإسلام وقال تعالى من يعمل من الصالحات من ذكر أو أنثى وهو مؤمن فلنحيينه حياة طيبة وقال تعالى ومن أعرض عن ذكري فإن له معيشة ضنكا ونحشره يوم القيامة أعمى وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الدنيا دار من لا دار له ومال من لا مال له ولها يجمع من لا أقل له أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected Allah Kiram, brothers and elders Allah Ta'ala's greatest bounty upon us Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with this ni'mat of iman Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with this bounty that the entire world put together cannot be equal to even a fraction of what the worth of this iman is this is the passport to jannat a person leaving this dunya without this wealth of iman is doomed for eternity person leaving this world without this wealth of iman is in perpetual misery suffering hardship no matter what happened in this dunya what kind of comfort he enjoyed in this life of this world what kind of uh, outward enjoyment he had, all the things that seemed to be very great for him. But as soon as this life is over and he has to pass on into the hereafter, and he left without Iman, then all this is going to be of no avail to him, no matter what he acquired in dunya, what amount of wealth he gathered and amassed for himself, what kind of qualifications and degrees he had to his name, what kind of achievements he might have happened to get in dunya, none of these things will help him in the qabr or be of any benefit to him in the akhirat if he left without iman. So this is that wealth that Allah has given us. Unfortunately, this is that wealth which we don't truly appreciate to the extent we should. Sheikh Saadi Rahmatullah very great personality of his time, he says that when, as an example, as a parable, he says that when he was a little child, so his mother had given him one very valuable ring. So as a child, but it was a very valuable ring which he didn't know the value of. So one day he put that ring on his hand and he walked out. Now this is just as an example, as a parable, it's not a masla that a person starts deducing some masail out of this, that is it permissible for a male to be wearing a ring which might be of gold or silver, it's not permissible. So this might be something else. But in any case, now he walked out of the house with it. So some smart thief, he saw this child with this very valuable ring in his hand, and one is now to go and snatch it out of his hand. He thought that's not very smart. You're going to take it away in a nice way, very dignified way. Like you get some very smart thieves nowadays. 
They make a person part with things and that person thinks that this person did him a favor. He only realizes after everything is done and dusted, when the deal is over, now he realizes what a, what a problem he put himself into and how this person deceived him. So in any case, he told this child, he went and brought one, like for our example, an ice cream. He told him, how's this ice cream? You like this ice cream? He says, yes, sounds very, very nice, looks very appetizing, very tempting, and on a hot day, that cold ice cream. Say, well, you can have this ice cream, give me that ring, you take this ice cream. So he thought to himself, that this ring, what is this ring all about? No value. This ice cream is so tasty, so delicious, it looks so tempting. So he readily gave that ring away and took that ice cream. So how long that ice cream lasted? Few minutes, a few minutes time it was all over. And then the thirst came back also. But the ring was gone. Now when he later grew up and they explained to him what you did once upon a time. That when you were a child, this is what you bartered away. That valuable ring which could have bought ice creams for the whole lifetime. You bartered away that ring for one ice cream. But now he's scratching his head. What did I do? It's too late. So similarly, this dunya tempts us with many things. This dunya tempts us with a lot of things that this is enjoyment will have. And shaitan makes a lot of promises that this is what the life is all about. Why are you depriving yourself? Everybody else seems to be enjoying themselves. Why you are the only one left out? These are the things shaitan whispers in the mind of a person, in the heart of a person, in order to trap him into that sin also. To trap him into the deception of dunya. Now when he is already in it, and when he is now already in the problem, now he is wondering, what did I do? By then it's too late. So in order for us to try, for us to understand where we are heading, what is our direction? What is our goal in life? What is supposed to be our priority? What are we supposed to put our efforts into really? What is the objective of life? What is the necessity of life? Allah Ta'ala out of His grace and mercy in order to make this reality come to our hearts and minds. Allah Ta'ala provides for us various stops that we can stop and think. Provides for us various occasions that make us think. That is, if we decide to think. Otherwise, those things that are supposed to make a person really remember where he's headed to. Even those moments come and go and a person doesn't think anything. For example, a person visits the Qabristan, visits the graveyard. There's a janaza. He's accompanying that janaza. And he goes all the way to the graveyard. And he might even assist in lowering the body into that grave. And he also took the time to put a few handfuls of sand onto the grave. Or a few spadefuls of sand onto that grave. He just saw how this person was carried and lowered into that grave. And now it's being shut and sealed off completely. And he might have met the person a short while before that, before he passed away. He might have spoken to him. We might have known that this person was walking around, talking, laughing, joking. Everything seemed to be going very well for him. Suddenly he got the news, this person passed away. 
How often this happens? But despite all these reminders, he's been part of the janaza. He's carried that marhum on his shoulders. He had to lower that body in the grave. But he still just walks away from there like nothing happened. He still walks away from there without any lesson being taken that today this person is gone, tomorrow is my turn. So if a person shuts his mind and heart out to the lessons, he'll just pass by. He won't take any lesson. And if a person wants to take a lesson, he'll take a lesson from everything. He'll take a lesson from what seems very insignificant. He'll take a lesson from small, minute little things. So Allah Ta'ala gives us these opportunities for us to stop, reflect, take a lesson. For example, these great occasions in time come like the month of Ramadan. Alhamdulillah, we are already in this Mubarak month of Rajab. And when the month of Rajab would be, would commence, when Nabi Islam would sight the moon of Rajab, he would already focus towards the month of Ramadan. Allahumma barik lana fi Rajabi wa Sha'ban, wa Ramadan. This was the dua that Nabi Islam recited upon the sighting of the moon of Rajab. Allah grant us barakat in the months of Rajab and Sha'ban. And, وَبَلِّغْنَا Ramadan. Ya Allah, enable us to reach the month of Ramadan. Making dua for this tawfiq, for this ability to be able to see this Mubarak month of Ramadan. Why? Because it's such a great month. Makes a person realize where he's headed to. Unfortunately, because we don't focus before time, the month of Ramadan comes, and the month of Ramadan leaves. And our lives don't change in any way. Because the month of Ramadan came, we didn't prepare in advance, we didn't make any kind of mental preparation, we didn't try to spiritually prepare ourselves. So by the time the month of Ramadan came, nothing had changed in our routine. And Allah forbid, in the wrongs that a person was doing also, nothing changed. So Ramadan comes and it carries on. At the most, there are some things that we will do that we don't normally do, person doesn't normally fast, he's fasting now, mashallah, very good. He's making his tarawih salah. Some person is performing all his salah also, which he normally was not doing, which was wrong, obviously. Alhamdulillah, this is very great. But together with that, the sins continue also. What sins he was committing before Ramadan is continuing in Ramadan as well. The haram that he was watching before Ramadan, he can't stop in Ramadan. He was going to wrong places before Ramadan, he carries on. Why? Because he didn't prepare beforehand. Allah Ta'ala gave this opportunity to reflect where we headed. So this is a time that Allah Ta'ala has given us, already this month of Rajab is with us, to start preparing for this Mubarak. We don't know whether we'll see it. Allah Ta'ala make us reach this Mubarak month and enable us to see it and benefit from it. But we need to start preparing from now. And how do we prepare ourselves? The very first thing that we have to prepare ourselves with is by making sincere toba, Turning to Allah Ta'ala in sincere repentance. Toba is also sometimes not understood. What is the meaning of toba? This is 
Like a person, for example, now he's going to get married. So there's so much of preparations beforehand. And there's so much of things that he wants to sort out. Why? Because he's going to get married. So definitely there's some arrangements to make, whatever. But this is the preparation that you have to make for everlasting life of the hereafter. So now when a person is getting married many a times, there's a lot of cleaning that's done. The whole house gets completely spring cleaned and newly painted, even if it doesn't require another new paint. And everything gets very, very nicely done up. Why? Because there's one nikah going to take place here. So now we want the love of Allah in our hearts. We're going to get it without cleaning our hearts out. A person wants to pour something in one glass, one utensil. What he does? First he looks inside. To see there's no dirt in here. And if there's dirt in there, then he first rinses that out. So before he pours anything, he rinses it out. Now we want the love of Allah Ta'ala to pour in this heart, but we don't want to rinse it out of all the sin. How is that love of Allah Ta'ala going to come in this heart then? That heart which has got so much of filth in it, so much of dirt in it, through the eyes, all that filth that came into the heart, through the ears, the rebirth, the music, whatever other haram, talk, all that filth that came in the heart, the dirt that came in the heart through the tongue. These are all the roadways to the heart. The eyes are a roadway to the heart. What a person sees affects his heart. He looks at the Quran Sharif, it affects his heart. It brings noor into his heart. He looks at his parents with mercy, with love. This brings great noor in his heart. It earns him the reward of Hajj, accepted Hajj and Umrah. And if he looks at Haram, that affects his heart too. In the Hadith Sharif it comes, when a person commits a wrong, there's a dark spot that settles on the heart. Then he commits another wrong, another dark spot settles on the heart. And then a third wrong, a third dark spot. And if he continues in this manner, in a short while or after a while, the whole heart gets engulfed in this darkness. And when it gets engulfed in this darkness, now it becomes very difficult for anything to penetrate. Once Hazrat Umar ibn Khattab he addressed the Sahaba Ikram and he asked them that who had heard Rasulullah Yazkurul Fitan. The Nabi was mentioning the fitnas. So some Sahaba said, We heard. He said, I think you're referring to the fitnas that happened due to a person's family, due to his neighbors, etc. In other words, because of the love of his family, for example. He sometimes does certain things which are not correct. He goes over the limits. These kind of fitnas. They said, yes, this is what we are referring to. He said, no, those fitnas are there. It's what is also fitna. But good actions will wipe out those excesses. A person then performed his salah. He made some tasbihat, some tilawat of the Quran Sharif. Those things will get covered up with this. He said, I am talking about those fitnas. Allati those fitnas that come like the waves of the ocean. The waves of the ocean, 
one comparison to the waves of the ocean is that the waves, especially if it's high tide, one wave comes, the one that follows it seems bigger than the one that came before it. And the one that comes thereafter is even bigger than the first one, and the second one. So likewise, the fitna that will come, each one will be bigger than the one before it. A fitna will come, somebody will think that this is something really serious. I don't think anything worse than this can happen. But when the next one comes, he says, this was nothing. This is a very serious thing. And then something worse than that comes. And we are living in those kind of times. Where one moment something happens, and a person thinks that there can't be anything worse than this. And a few days later, something worse happens. Umar ibn Khattab asked about this. He said, I want to know about this. That who heard Nabi Islam mention these kind of fitnas? So Huzaifa bin Yaman was present there. He says, I heard. I asked about all these kind of things. And I heard Rasulullah mention this kind of fitnas. They asked him, who? What, what did you hear Nabi Islam saying? So he then explained, what did Nabi Islam say? The ta'ridul fitanu ala al-qulub kal hasiri udan udan. That fitnas will attack the heart. And then Nabi Islam gives an example of a straw mat. Now we haven't seen how a straw mat is made, but how a straw mat is made, that it's in a particular manner that everything is placed in such a way that the straws are then just dropped in place one after the other. One straw falls, the next one follows it immediately. Then the third, then the fourth. And that whole thing just falls into place. So Nabi Islam is saying that the fitnas will attack the heart like how that straw mat is made and manufactured where the straws fall in place one after the other. In other words, one fitna will hit the heart and barely the person recovered from that in another one then a third one, then a fourth one. And it will now keep attacking the heart. It seems many things are happening outside. But everything that's happening outside is attacking the heart. Everything that seems is happening in the person's hand. It's not happening in his hand. It's attacking his heart. What he's seeing is attacking his heart. What he's listening to is attacking his heart. What he's speaking about is attacking his heart. What environment he puts himself into. That environment, everything around him is attacking his heart. It's not that a person just went somewhere and passed by and carried on. No, if he didn't take care, all these are things attacking his heart. Now it depends whether he defended his heart or whether his heart got then attacked and injured also. Allah forbid if it injured sometimes so badly, it can bleed to death. Sometimes, a person says, my heart is not sick. Spiritually a person talking, he says, I, my heart is not sick anymore, it's dead. One person said that today. He says, my heart is no more sick, it's dead. What do I do? So this is what Nabi Islam is explaining here, that the fitnas will attack the heart. Now what happens? Now it depends how a person reacts. Now one is a person is out in the streets and it's very dangerous. People are they're shooting wildly. So he's got himself fully covered. He's wearing a bulletproof jacket maybe. He's even sitting inside an armored vehicle. Now he has to pass by, but he got all this protection. So he, whatever hits it, hits on the outside and he's gone. Safely he passed through. 
Another person is walking very, very bravely with no protection. What happens? He gets hit by those bullets and it can be fatal. So Nabi Islam is saying that now this fitnas keep attacking the heart. But this depends now how a person reacts to it. فَأَيُّ قَلْبٍ أُشْرِبَهَا نُكِتَ فِيهِ نُكْتَةٌ سَوْدَا وَأَيُّ قَلْبٍ أَنْكَرَهَا نُكِتَ فِيهِ نُكْتَةٌ بَيْضَا Nabi Islam says whichever heart allows this fitna to come in. It's like now that fitna is knocking the door. So the fitna of, for example, the haram on the phone, on that device, on that internet. So now that's like shaitan knocking on the door, please I want to come inside. The person now opens the door of the heart. You're welcome. So now he's allowing it. He's got all that the social media, haram chatting, that's knocking on the door of his heart. I want to come in, I want to come right inside. I want to sit deep down in your heart. So now, فَأَيُّ قَلْبٍ أُشْرِبَهَا Nabi Islam is saying, that heart which allowed it to seep into it. Now, that heart which allowed it to seep in, each time it allowed some fitna to seep in, it starts becoming darker and darker, with those fitnas that seeped in. And then there's another person, every time that that fitna knocked on the door of his heart, he remained very firm, and he, so to say, chased it out. Day you come to me. But now in that process, there was a lot of mujahada. There was a lot of pain on his heart that he had to take. That temptation seemed to now, if he didn't give in to it, it felt like his heart would break. But he said, if the heart breaks, let it break for Allah Ta'ala. He didn't allow that fitna to come into his heart. So every time that he undertook that mujahada, he undertook that pain on his heart, nukita fihi nuktatun bayda. It's getting filled with noor, with light. And then Nabi Islam says, hatta tasira ala qalbain. Until the hearts become of one of two types. Some hearts of one category, and other hearts of another category. Some hearts of one type, and other hearts of another type. The hearts that carried on rejecting the fitna, not allowing it to seep into the heart. That heart becomes, Nabi Islam gives an example. It becomes like marble. And, then Nabi Islam says, Beda and it becomes like marble la tadurruhu fitnatun madamati samawatu wal ard that it becomes like marble marble there's two things about it one aspect about marble is that it's very very strong so means that it has become extremely strong it's very hard for something that wants to now penetrate this to get into it like a reinforced something reinforced vehicle that bulletproof glass, that bullet also can't penetrate it. So now this has become the protection around his heart. The other thing about marble is it's very smooth. You put anything onto it, it just slides away. It doesn't stay onto it. The heart also becomes protected in this manner. Any fitna can't stick onto it. It can't penetrate, it can't stick onto it. 
but the good, the light is already inside the heart. And this has become the protective covering from the outside. So as a result, Nabi Islam says, لا تضره فتنة ما دامت السماوات والأرض Now no fitna will affect this heart as long as the heavens and earth are in existence. Meaning till the last moment of this person's life, his heart will become fitna proof. Like how a person gets a watch that has become waterproof and things have become, some things become soundproof and whatever else proof, his heart will become fitna proof. It won't happen in one time. It'll happen when he has repeatedly broken that heart for Allah Ta'ala. But he didn't open the door of the heart for the fitna. He didn't allow the fitna to seep into that heart. So over time, repeatedly making that mujahada and lightening up that heart with that nur of iman. The time comes when the heart becomes fitna proof. And then the other heart, Nabi Islam says, that that heart which continued accepting that fitna, allowing it to come in, through the doors wide open. Person didn't just listen to that haram music, he put that earphone right deep down into his ears also. So he can hear it right into his heart directly. Now what darkness that will bring in the heart. Whole night is spending watching that haram. As a result that heart is being totally, mercilessly killed. The spirituality of it is, the ruhaniyat is being drained out. It's bleeding. All the noor is bleeding out. The noor of iman is completely bleeding out. So by the time that morning comes, where is there going to be any heart left to do any righteousness? And the whole night was spent in that kind of haram. Now the person's salah is also gone. And his mind and heart is only engulfed in all evil. So now his heart is engulfed in the darkness. So his eyes are further now out of control. His mind is out of control. His hands out of control. His feet out of control. He's going in all the wrong directions. Because the heart is king. And now he opened the door of the heart out to all the fitnas. So as a result, what it comes? What happens? وَالْآخَرُ أَسْوَدُ مُرْبَادًا لَا يَعْرِفُ مَعْرُوفًا وَلَا يُنْكِرُ مُنْكَرًا إِلَّا مَا أُشْرِبَ مِنْ هَوَاهَا أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Nabi Islam says that his heart becomes completely filled with darkness لَا يَعْرِفُ مَعْرُوفًا Neither can it understand what is good Sometimes what is right and what is good is being explained to somebody He is now caught up in some habit whatever the case is and somebody, his parents are trying to explain to him, his ustad or somebody is explaining to him, some other friends are explaining to him, look, you're harming yourself, you're destroying your life, you're hurting your family, you're doing so much of harm to everybody around you, you yourself are getting destroyed. He listens as if he's not listening. He's sitting there and listening, but he's far away from there. And he wakes up from there like he heard nothing. La ya'arifu ma'arufa, wala yunkiru munkara. And the evil doesn't seem evil to him. Many times a person is doing something totally wrong. He's doing something totally wrong and he says, but what's wrong with it? He can't see the wrong. Everybody is trying to explain the wrong to you. He says, what's wrong with it? And in this, Nabi Islam also gives the example and says, Kalkuzi mujakhiyan La ya'arifu ma'arufa wa la yunkiru munkara Like a jug that has been turned upside down or a glass or a vest, container 
turned upside down. If it is upside down, what can you point to it? You can put it under the Niagara Falls, nothing will come into it. You can put it under anything, no matter how heavy that rain is outside, it will still be dry inside. Because it's upside down. Why it became upside down? It became upside down due to the haram. That haram turned it upside down. So now nothing is going in. So now what is the need? The need is to now turn this back right side up and to close the door to the fitnas and to allow the nur to come back into the heart. So this is the moments and opportunities Allah Ta'ala brings about for us that we take note of this time that we are getting and move in the direction where we rectify our hearts. Otherwise this world... This world is a place which is a very, very big deception. It makes us believe that everything will carry on like this. Everyone knows behind, the, at the back of his mind, he knows one day I'm going to have to leave dunya. But it's not going to happen anytime soon. That's the deception Shaitan puts in his mind. Everybody else, they might go sooner, not me. I will, if not maybe 70 years, at least another 60 years I'm around. That's the deception Shaitan puts in the heart. Well, 60 years... If not 60, at least 50. So if 50, then for 45 years, let me enjoy my life. The last 5 years, I'll sort my life out. But whether he's going to live for another 45 minutes also, he doesn't know. And this is what in the Hadith Sharif, in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا مَتَاعُ الْغُرُورِ That this life of dunya is just things of deception. What is the deception? Our room, Rahmatullah gives one example to make us understand this deception. This is an example. He was a king of examples. And by means of examples, he brought many, many very deep things to mind very easily. So he gives example. There are these crocodiles. So these huge crocodiles. There's one crocodile, maybe six feet long. And this crocodile after it's now eaten something up, so all that, whatever it's eaten, some animal it got hold of, or something else, so all that flesh gets left between its teeth. Now that flesh that gets left between its teeth has got long, jagged teeth. So it comes and sits on the shore, on the bank of the river, and it comes and sits there with its mouth wide open. And it's completely still, like it's lifeless. Now that bits of flesh that got left between its teeth, now over time it starts decaying. So some worms also come away in there. Now it's sitting there with that huge mouth wide open. So now one bird comes around and it sees all these pieces of flesh also and there's worms there. And the worms are what this bird looks around for. So this bird comes and perches on the tooth and it's now busy pecking away and it's enjoying these worms. So another bird also sees, another one comes, third one comes, 10, 15 birds are now all around on both sides of that jaw. They are enjoying themselves and they are chirping merrily. Say, what? We got it all found on the plate. See how we are enjoying it. So now when all these 10, 15, 20 birds all came in, Settled and they are merrily chirping and totally oblivious. Totally got no idea where they, what danger they put themselves into. 
suddenly this thing closes his mouth. Now when he closes his mouth and all those birds are trapped in there, now they are wondering where we got ourselves into. Now we should actually have done this, we should have flown away from here, this was very dangerous, we shouldn't even have come here, we should have stayed far away from here, but now you are already inside. And now he just swallows everything up. So this is an example he's giving. But then he from that example draws the parable that this six foot crocodile that was sitting there with his mouth open, there's also something six foot sitting with his mouth open, that six foot grave. It's sitting with his mouth open. And a person sees that grave, but he thinks that no life is fine, carry on with life. Nothing will happen. Whereas the thing is, they, it's threatening him. Anytime I'm going to swallow you. But he carries on with life like nothing happened. He's enjoying life. And he's saying that why people are making such a big fuss about so many things. You must enjoy life. Life is to make merry. But suddenly now that time comes, that that moment comes, when he finds himself inside that six foot grave. And now that grave has swallowed him. Now he realizes that everything got left outside. All his wealth got left outside. His family got left outside. All the things that he had so much of attachment to. Some people got attachment to such things that if you take it away, it seems like their life will go. Take some person's phone away, it seems his life will go with the phone. Becomes like part of his soul. But everything will get left behind. Somebody else will be scrolling through that phone. Somebody else will break that code around that phone. And they'll be looking what was inside here. They'll be seeing what not goes on. And now we'll be thinking that I should have given time to deen rather than that phone. Given time to some tilawat of the Quran Sharif. Given time to some tasbihat, some zikr. Given time for the effort of deen. Unfortunately, let alone giving time for deen, we don't even have time for our families because of that phone. One teacher asked some children in his class, what you want to become? Now, small children, grade one, two children, what do you want to become? So somebody said he wants to become whatever, one fellow wanted to become a doctor and somebody wanted to become an engineer, whatever they want to become, because now that is what seems to be the best thing for a person in that environment. Maybe somebody might have even said, I want to become a true Muslim. In any case, one child, one child said, I want to become a cell phone. So he says, somebody wants to become a doctor, and somebody wants to become an engineer, somebody wants to become a pilot, and somebody wants to become something else. You want to become a cell phone? He said, yes, and I want to become a smartphone. So what do you want to become a cell phone for? A smartphone for? He says, well, when I come home, so now I ask my father to, I mean, I want to, want some help with something. He says, no, he's very busy because he got the phone in his hand. My mother is also very busy. She got the phone in her hand too. And my brother also, he's got the phone in his hand too. So now if I become a cell phone, at least I'll be in my family's hands. I'll get some time. I'll get some attention. They got no time for me. Nobody got any time to give me any attention. But if I'm a phone, I'll get the attention. So I want to become a cell phone. Now this might be whether somebody is just for the moral of it or whatever, but unfortunately this 
paints the picture of a reality. In many, many instances, this is the reality. That let alone take away the time from our deen, take away the time from tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, because now the WhatsApp and the, all the other social media and everything has, it's got us in its grip. So now if we don't break that grip now, now this is the preparation for Ramadan, from now. If we don't break that grip now, it will remain, we'll remain in the grip of it in the month of Ramadan. Then you find people sitting in the masjid, now there's five minutes left for Salah to start, because now the person has come for Salah, it's Ramadan now. But even that five minutes is sitting in the corner of the masjid, is still on the phone. And Allah forbid even haram people are watching in the masjid. Because it's, they are in the jaws of that haram, gripped by it. So now this is that month of Rajab that has started, which is supposed to now make us start preparing for this Mubarak month of Ramadan. Nabi Islam gave us his lesson in that dua. Allahumma barik lana fi Rajaba wa Sha'ban wa balighna Ramadan. Ya Allah, enable us to reach Ramadan. That enthusiasm, that's such a big thing coming up. Such a great month. So now, from now, a person is, the start is, as we said, start is Toba. This is the first part of this preparation. And what is this Toba all about? Many a times, Toba, our mind, the concept in our mind is, we just say, Allah, forgive me, and we carry on. No, Toba has certain conditions to be fulfilled. Then it's Toba. The first condition for that Toba to be Toba is a yaqla'a anil ma'asiya. That a person gives up that sin. If he doesn't stop committing that sin, then that's not Toba. He's going on committing the haram and he's making Toba. The person is sitting in the place of haram and he's saying Toba from that. He needs to move away from there first. He needs to delete all the haram out of his system, out of that phone, out of that device. He needs to then get far away from those things that are trapping him into haram. If that phone has become a means of him getting into haram, he needs to get far away from it. He needs to become smart and stay far away from it. Because at the moment, shaitan is smart. Shaitan has got him caught up in things which previously people had to go far away places to get caught in that haram. So shaitan became so smart, he put it in the person's hand. Before it had to be, person had to spend a lot of money to go and do that kind of haram, somewhere far away. Now without all that effort and time, without all that money being spent, shaitan put it in his hand. So at the moment, shaitan is that smart fellow. And he's having the laugh. We need to have the upper hand. And in order to have the upper hand, we need to get far away from all this. So ayyakla'a anil ma'asiyah. That a person stops committing the haram. Then together with that, a yandama aleha. That he regrets what has already happened. There must be that remorse. He must feel pain. Allah Ta'ala bless me with all his bounties, unlimited ni'mads. Every moment I am enjoying the unlimited bounties of Allah Ta'ala. And I still just committed so much of wrong, so much of sin. I transgressed the laws of Allah Ta'ala. I disobeyed Him so much. How could I have done such a thing? That remorse. Allah Ta'ala gave me food to eat. I had a full stomach of food. So I went to sleep nicely. If I didn't manage to eat, if I had nothing to eat, I would have been restless the whole night. 
So now that was the shukr I showed that I didn't wake up for Fajr. Allah Ta'ala enabled me to sleep after having given me something to eat. I filled my belly. If I was gone to sleep without anything, would I have slept? If I went to bed hungry, would I have slept? As the minutes ticked, I would have become more restless. Let alone Fajr, I would have been wide awake at Tahajjud time. Allah Ta'ala gave me that ni'mat, gave me a full stomach of food to eat. Is that the shukr now that I miss my Fajr? I didn't go to the masjid to perform that Fajr with Jamaat. That's the shukr of that supper Allah Ta'ala gave me. And then so many times, so many luxuries with it also. Is that the shukr that I miss my Isha Jamaat also? Because I was so busy enjoying those luxuries. And then I went to sleep without bothering about Fajr. Without setting that alarm to wake up in time to make it to the masjid for Fajr. That was the gratitude I showed. That I set the alarm for after time. Allah Ta'ala granted me the ni'mat of having something to eat in the morning. So the shukr I showed you that I didn't even perform my Zohar Salah. And Allah Ta'ala granted that risk for the day, the shukr for that, that a person comes home in the evening and he starts engaging in haram. That well now he's fine now, he's comfortable for the day, he earned enough for the day, so now he must entertain himself. So now that was the shukr for the whole day, Allah Ta'ala made his day filled with so many good things for him. So the shukr for the day now, he comes and starts watching haram. So Allah Ta'ala is giving us these occasions to stop and think where we are heading, what we are doing, what direction we are taking in life and where we want to end up. So these are opportunities to now sit and think and the first preparation is this toba, sincerely begging Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, making four rakat, six rakat, salatu toba, nafil and then raising our hands, shedding tears of remorse and repentance and begging Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, giving up that sin, and firmly resolving not to commit that sin in future. Now when a person makes this firm resolve, inshallah he is sincere about it. But if he doesn't keep the means of sin far away from him, it's going to be very hard to remain steadfast on this Tawbah. He will have to keep far away from the means of sin. So now we want that Ramadan to be a time when our lives change for the better, it becomes a means of a complete revolution in our lives. That preparation has to start now. If a person hasn't been performing all his salah, he has to start now. He wasn't performing his salah with jama'ah, he has to start now, performing all his salah with jama'ah. He wasn't making any tilawat of the Quran Sharif, starts making some tilawat. Even if it is just for a start, one, two pages. After one, two days, he's increasing it by another one, two pages. And by the time the month of Ramadan comes, he is well into the momentum of making much tilawat. The month of Ramadan, Nabi Islam has mentioned that you must do two things excessively. Excessive recitation of La ilaha illallah. Excessive recitation of istighfar. So now he is already increasing that. When the month of Ramadan comes, he will do it excessively. If he doesn't start now, he might not even do it that time. The time will just pass him. Part of the preparation of the month of Ramadan, any hukukullah, the rights of Allah Ta'ala that have not been fulfilled. Somebody has got some salah outstanding, qaza salah, the right of Allah Ta'ala. One person came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and said that my father has not yet performed his hajj, but now he's a very old person, he won't be able to perform it. But the hajj was first upon him. 
Should I perform it on his behalf? Now, Hajj is a kind of ibadat that is, is partly a physical ibadat and partly a monetary ibadat. So, being partly a monetary ibadat also, it's something that if a person is not able to do, he can then delegate somebody to do it. Where there won't be any chance he can do it ever. He's now compulsory upon him, but he's so old that he's just not going to be able to make it. So now such an ibadat, somebody else can make it on his behalf, he can delegate it. So in any case, this person came to ask. Nabi Islam replied and said that if some, your father was owing somebody a debt, would you pay it on his behalf? He said, yes, I'll pay it on his behalf. Then the debt of Allah Ta'ala is more worthy of being fulfilled also. That has greater right, you must fulfill that. So likewise, what we learn from this is, all these ibadats that are compulsory upon us, this becomes a debt upon us. Now some ibadats, that debt somebody else can fulfill also. If that person didn't discharge his hajj, but it was so difficult that he was so old, he wouldn't make it, then he can ask somebody to discharge it on his behalf. But some ibadats, nobody else can do it for us. We have to do it ourselves. That salah, that debt nobody can discharge. We have to do it ourselves. That fasting is a physical ibadat. Nobody else can fast on our behalf. We have to fast ourselves. So therefore, that qaza that got left out, that salah that was now outstanding in the past, was not yet discharged. We have to start making those qazas. That's also part of the preparation of Ramadan. That we start fulfilling all the hukukullah. If some qaza fast are left over, we start keeping that fast from now. And whatever other dini obligations, sajda tilawat sometimes. Person has been making tilawat of the Quran Sharif, but wasn't making the sajda tilawat, which is wajib. So you now make all that up. So that we don't have any outstanding debts. Hukukullah. And likewise, to cleanse ourselves for Ramadan, any hukukul ibad, the rights of the servants of Allah Ta'ala. We hurt somebody's feelings, we go ask him for maaf, for forgiveness. We're owing somebody something, we go and discharge that, or ask his forgiveness. We took somebody's property away wrongfully, we go and make amends, go and sort it out. We hurt somebody in some way, we trample somebody's rights, we sort it out. All this is part of the preparation of Ramadan. And when we prepare for Ramadan in this way, inshallah by the time the Mubarak month comes, on the one hand we will have been cleansed from all the sins that had happened in the past, and we will be spiritually prepared to take the maximum. And inshallah such a time, then such a person, for, the, for him the month of Ramadan, will become a, complete, a time of complete revolution within himself. He'll be a different person by the time the month of Ramadan is finished off. So may Allah wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq that this Mubarak month of Rajab, Shaban, we use it correctly, we become the true servants of Allah Ta'ala, we make sincere tawbah, we turn in sincere repentance of Allah Ta'ala, we give up all the haram, we stop wasting our time on all these devices, on the phone, on social media, on other things, we start allocating time for our tilawat, for our zikr, tasbihat, dua, for tilawat of the Quran Sharif, for the efforts of deen, for being part of the programs of deen. And in this way, inshallah, we will already boost ourselves spiritually. By the time the month of Ramadan comes, we'll be able to take the maximum. Allah wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.